Welcome to the Doctor-Patient Forum, a no-holds-barred patient advocacy podcast discussing why millions of pain patients continue to suffer, but most importantly, who caused the suffering. Join us weekly as we discuss how you can help end the untreated pain crisis. Just a quick disclaimer and trigger warning, we will be discussing suicide due to untreated pain and losing a pain provider. If you are struggling with thoughts of suicide, please reach out to your local doctor or emergency room, call 911, or you can also use the number 988. I believe you can text or call. Before we play our interview with Jim Elliott, Danny's brother, I just want to give a quick statement about patient abandonment and forced opioid tapers. You know, I wish I could say that Danny's situation was an isolated case, but sadly it wasn't. We have already interviewed another spouse of a patient who took his life due to losing pain medication. And sadly, it most likely will continue to happen unless our government does something to address this, what I call crisis of abandoned pain patients and forced opioid tapers. You know, we now have 13 studies, 13 studies showing that it is more dangerous or or harmful to cut people off of opioid medication, regardless of the dose or combination of medications they're on. Yet somehow it's still happening. CDC, FDA, they all come out and they say, don't force taper. Don't dismiss patients based on urine screens. Don't do any of this. Yet it continues to happen and it seems like it's happening at an accelerated rate. And I want to know why. We have some ideas, right? Doctors are afraid of the DEA and state laws and all of this. But you know why we don't know exactly? Because nobody is measuring patient outcome. Nobody is measuring patient outcome. All the studies and all these billions from these litigation settlement goes to how do we cut prescribing down? How do we use more data analytic? How do we make sure patients know mindfulness and yoga? Everything is about cutting down prescribing and nothing is measuring what happens to these patients when they are cut off. So because of that, I got really tired of hearing myself say that nobody is measuring patient outcomes. So I attempted with the help of another pain patient and a palliative care doctor, Dr. Chad Colas, we created a Google document. You could answer some questions about uh, patient abandonment. Now, this is for people who were on daily opioids for pain and their doctor either dismissed them for any reason and they haven't been able to find a new provider to give them the same dose they were on before or they lost their doctor like Danny because of DEA action or the doctor retired or the doctor passed away or something like that. And they weren't able to find a new doctor to give them the same medication they were on before. Or if your doctor didn't dismiss you or you didn't lose him, but he is forcing you down to a lower dose, he abruptly discontinued you, either is in the process of cutting you down or told you he is going to cut you down. This also is for you. Please fill it out. We have in the explanation and the introduction, 
We are not going to be showing any identifying information to anybody. Anytime we are, will be showing any results, it will always be de-identified. So no one is going to see your information. We do not ask for your doctor's names. There's no medical records or anything like that. I know some people have been nervous about it. This really is for us to get an idea of just how prevalent this is. Now, we're not going to be able to find out how many people are abandoned. There's no way. But I would like to collect it to so we can attempt to show legislators, media, that this is a really, really big problem. And hopefully, maybe can lead to an actual study in patient abandonment and forced tapers. I'm going to have the link in the show notes. If you have any questions about this at all, please email me at bev at the doctorpatientforum.com. If you haven't been abandoned or forced tapers, but you know of people who have please share this link with them. The more information we can get, the better. We really need to show people how big this issue is. You know, the majority of my emails now and messages are about patients who have been abandoned and they're terrified. And and I don't blame them because it's a really, really scary position to be in. Um, Just know we're doing everything we can to fight for you and we will continue to do so. Welcome to this episode of the Doctor Patient Forum. You know, I'm so sad today because this is the second podcast that we're recording this morning, Sunday morning, second podcast about pain patient suicide. And I want to read something really quickly to you folks. If you follow us, you know that we're pretty vocal speaking out against the hate organization prop and the lead hater. Andrew Kaladi. And an article just came out by The Guardian journalist McCreel seems to be a mouthpiece for opioid litigation. He had the audacity to give killer Kaladi the platform. And Kaladi is quoted as saying, the notion that there are patients losing access to an effective treatment, and therefore they have no choice but to kill themselves because they're in so much pain now. That's a hoax. That's what killer Kaladi said. And today we're so happy to have, well, you know, I can't even say I'm happy because I'm just glad that a family member is courageous enough to share the story. And today joining us is Jim Elliott and Jim's brother, very, very tragically, Danny Elliott and his wife, Gretchen. They took their lives after the DEA shut down Danny's third doctor. Jim, was Danny's life, was that a hoax? Not at all. I mean, no. And that's and, a, just an infuriating statement. Absolutely infuriating. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Jim Elliott. Thank you. Let me say how sorry I am for your loss. Well, thank you very much. And I know this has been a very difficult time for you, but the reason you wanted to join us at the Doctor Patient Forum podcast was to get your brother's story out there. If you're listening to this, folks, today, please share Jim Elliott's brother's story. Please share Brent Sloan. Brent Sloan also took his life. Please share all the forgotten victims because these are victims. These are victims of Andrew Kalodny. These are victims of the CDC. Jim, tell me about your brother, Danny. Now he, he lived with chronic pain for how many years? A little over 31 years. He had an electrical accident in 1990 that resulted in some, um, brain damage, some nerve ending damage in his brain that caused severe headaches. He always described them as being like a migraine, but they weren't migraines because they weren't vascular. And um, he lived a long time like that. And 
had a pretty decent life for many years. And I would say the last five or six have been a nightmare thanks to doctor after doctor after doctor being shut down by federal agencies, sometimes for no apparent reason. And I think at the end, Danny just got exhausted with the battle. It was too much for him, and he didn't see any end in sight. And would Danny communicate with you often about what he was going through with these doctors getting shut down? Oh, certainly, certainly. Uh, my wife was a pharmaceutical rep and at some point found a doctor that was really a lifesaver for him for a long, long time. And um, he was one of the first ones to, again, be arrested. That was here in Georgia. And, um, and so when that happened and then subsequent to that, when similar kind of things happened, he would just kind of reach out in despair. And it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. They've shut me down. I don't have any access to medications. And so, you know, that, I mean, Danny was... As I understood from him, he was dependent on pain medications. He wasn't addicted to pain medications. It wasn't like pain meds gave him any kind of buzz or any kind of high. It was really just something that allowed him to have some semblance of a normal life, which which wasn't always normal. But, um, you know, he, he was able to survive. But again, over the last five or six years, when um, things have taken a real turn um, at the, with the federal government with regard to opioids and doctors, um, it just became a battle. And every time this would happen, he would be really frantic. And, you know, he had friends who would try to help him find somebody else. I mean, he had some great acquaintances, people that he never really met in person, but they met through chronic pain patient groups or um, other organizations. And, and they offered tremendous amounts of help and, and got him here and got him there. And, but then eventually it ran out. Sure. You know, people are just scrambling to get others help. I, and when I say scramble, I mean, people are being forced to go to Portugal, right? Or yes. go to Tijuana. And when I suggest that to people, they, they're like, are you crazy? I said, there's no other options because the good doctors, they get shut down. They get arrested. We've got Dr. Bill Bauer, 86 years old. He's behind bars, his crime treating pain. And unless we have Congress questioning the DEA and until our president orders a stand down order to the DEA. I don't foresee any change, but if you're listening to this, please know we're doing everything we can to bring awareness. And part of bringing awareness is sharing stories like Danny Elliott's and Brent Sloan's. So Jim, he was seeing a doctor out of Georgia and then he did he have to fly to California to see Dr. Bakoff? Because I believe that's, he was under Dr. Bakoff's care. He did. Um, and actually he had seen another California doctor prior to Dr. Bakoff. And again, the same thing happened. And, you know, that was, I mean, he was, I guess we were fortunate that Danny and Gretchen had the financial resources to make those kind of trips. Not everybody can. I mean, clearly traveling cross country, I think about every 90 days was, required by the doctor because and, and and from the doctor's perspective that was understandable because he had to be monitoring what was taking place and um so that dr bokoff would see danny by i mean virtually i think every month but then every every third month they would fly to los angeles stay in a hotel go to the doctor's office and then fly home and again they were fortunate to have had that option available because I, a lot of pain patients couldn't do that Right. And I know Dr. Bokhoff is 
just so he's just beside himself about Danny and Gretchen. And, and then we learn of another of his patients, uh, sadly, who has also died. Uh, and I know Dr. Bakoff is just truly saddened by this. And, you know, now he has to face the, the system and he could possibly go to prison like the other doctors have. And they don't like old doctors. Dr. Bakoff is 80 years old. And sometimes it's the only, the older providers who are compassionate enough. And Dr. Bakoff isn't a drug dealer. He's not a white coat drug dealer like the evil media portrays them, like that evil journalist, McCreel, he just wrote about. He's not a bad person. He's a good person. And the good people, they're being vilified by the system, which were, well, well, what's leading to this, which led to another suicide so he was he when danny learned that the dea once again shut down another one of his doctors did he call you so danny sent me a text message and he said my doctor's just got his license has, has just had his license suspended i can't talk right now Gretchen's insisting that we try to see if we can find another doctor i think what happened was when when he was told by dr bokoff's office that they were unable to write any prescriptions that, as I understand, they were given a list of about 17 doctors to contact. And what I've heard was Gretchen, who was just an angel in Danny's life, immediately got on the phone and just blew up the phone that afternoon trying to call all 17 doctors, none of whom would agree to see them. And so they gave up. 17 doctors, not one would help. So can I, so when, when the DEA shuts a doctor down like this, they don't allow the doctor to write a bridge prescription for even 30 days, which is the minimum suggestion for any state medical board, but the DEA shuts a doctor down and these patients, like we spoke to another patient who was, she was out of her medicine. It was the day she was supposed to get it refilled and she was left with nothing. Uh, When, do you know, when Gretchen called these doctors, did she tell them the situation and why he was out of a doctor? And they wouldn't even uh, agree to see him at all. Is that what happened? You know, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of that because um, everything happened so quickly yeah. thereafter. But I'm quite sure. I mean, Gretchen was an accountant by education yeah. and she was very incredibly efficient and yeah. organized. And I feel quite sure she did exactly all that. You know, the thing that really frustrated me, well, there are a lot of things that frustrate me, but Dr. Balkoff was not even told the reason his license was being suspended when it happened. Right. Yeah. I spoke with him about that. And I mean, he may know now, but he, I mean, that, that was my understanding at the time it happened. That he yeah. I know what, I know the reason. See, he didn't keep, uh, apparently he missed a few things in his charting. So that's a reason to go to prison. Well, and right. that's, what that's what they'll tell him. But unfortunately, you know, I could say the reason doctors won't take patients like Danny is because the system itself is set up for the new doctors to be targeted. And that's why you see people like Danny who, their doctor was was targeted repeatedly because this is what happens in most of the algorithms where doctors are flagged they give them a distance from patient to provider is one of the main red flags if you live in a city if the doctor lives in a city they allow for 25 miles from doctor to patient if you live in the in the suburbs it's 40 miles so right away when a doctor takes a patient, if they're more than that amount of miles away, they're already starting with a red flag and also, uh, you know, amount of, of milligrams and number of patients. And they're always flagging the top prescribers, but there's 
there could be two doctors and there's going to be a top prescriber. There's always going to be a top prescriber. And this is one of the things that we're wanting the DEA. They've got to, they've got to reevaluate their red flags because this isn't 1997. This is 2022. We can't even find doctors within the same state as you know, let alone within 25 miles. Oh, of course. I mean, would Danny have loved to have seen a doctor in Georgia or in, his, in close proximity to his home? Certainly. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I just been aware of over the years, doctors he would talk to, and they, they wanted, I think, many times wanted to help him, but they were so paranoid about what was going to happen to their practice. Poor Danny had to get, yeah, and, and your poor brother had to get on a plane and fly across the country with a debilitating condition every three months. Yes. And when he learns that Dr. Beckhoff is shut down, uh, Gretchen is calling all of these providers, all 17 say no. Was that the last time you spoke with your brother was through that text? Yes. I mean, bad news would often trigger like a bad episode for him. And, and that that was not uncommon that if you know, when something tragic happened or you know, when this happened with other doctors, he would just be like, I, I can't talk right now. And we would communicate a little bit through text messaging, but the trauma he would go through. Sure, and, sure. And I mean, Danny wasn't damaged. Danny was hurt. He was right. in an accident, which led to this terrible path he would be led on. And if I know lawyers, uh, right, because lawyers, they can be evil also. A lawyer will probably say with Danny was crazy and that's only crazy people do this. Danny wasn't crazy. He was broken. He was broken by this, this terrible system that, that, you know, Congress continues to turn their back on. And that's, that was the last time you spoke with your brother was through that text. And I feel like Danny just couldn't do it another day. Yeah. Yes. And then you, how did you learn what happened? I was on a uh, business trip with my wife and woke up Monday morning, November 7th, and was scrolling through my emails. And I saw one that said from Danny and Gretchen. And my heart just kind of stopped because I knew this event had taken place the previous few days with Dr. Bokoff. And that's how he told me that they had decided to take their lives and he went into a lot of explanation about things and devastating i mean just purely devastating um my 86 year old mother our 86 year old mother was back in georgia and so i had to make arrangements to have her pastor and some family members go tell her because i couldn't take the chance of her hearing from someone else about the death of her son and daughter-in-law and i was just a total nightmare honestly and they were laid to rest not too long ago, right? Yes, that's right. Were they laid to rest together? They were. They were. You know, Danny had this medical problem. I think a big question that I certainly had and a lot of people, other people had was about his wife. And what I would just tell you is, I mean, Gretchen, Danny had already had the accident when they married. So she was there for the long haul and she was there for the ups and downs and all the mostly downs. And she said in a note, that I was able to see to her employer that Danny just couldn't fight the battle any longer. I'm exhausted myself and I don't want to be here without him. So mm. I mean, it's incredible. If you're contemplating suicide, it, it's really important for you to reach out to a loved one, a friend, you know, 
just get in our group. Let us be there for you. Let us give you that support. There's a Facebook page called the Doctor Patient Forum. Please join that page if you are contemplating suicide. Join your Facebook state page. There is a, a page for Georgia residents called Georgia the Doctor Patient Forum. Let those pages at least just get you through these really, really difficult times. Because there is an 86-year-old, my mom's 86. I cannot imagine my 86-year-old mom being told that I've taken my life because no doctor would help me. And, and it's not like the doctor, there was one doctor who was willing to help, but, you know, the DEA and President Biden took that, took that doctor away from Danny. And President Biden could, he could actually intervene and do something now, but he chooses not to. See, this is a choice, folks. This is all about a choice. The government has chose to divorce themselves from reality. There are people who need daily opiates to live. That's it. They're not bad people. They just need opiates to live. And when I see that venomous pig, Andrew Kolodny, get quoted in an article referring to Danny as a hoax, I'm pissed. I am pissed. And we've got to do something to help. Jim, I've got one question for you. Are you pursuing any legal avenues on behalf of Danny and Gretchen? Well, interesting question. I've been asked that a a fair amount. So I'm myself and my government lawyer at the local government level. Suing governments is difficult and expensive. And I don't, you know, but let me certainly say we are contemplating some sort of action. Because again, I think I think what happened to him is directly attributable to the actions of the DEA office in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, Jim, are you familiar with the case? I don't know if you are. There's a case called Bivens versus the DEA. And a Bivens action, I believe, is where you can sue an agent individually. So I don't know what agent went into Dr. Beckhoff's uh you know, and I don't know what state, you know, who from the state medical board, if they played any role. But that's also something that I've thought about often. Can we sue agents because of that Bivens action? And I don't know if you would probably know more about this uh, because you're an attorney. But I will say that attorney Hans Poppy represented the family of Brent Sloan. Uh, Brent Uh, His pain doctor reduced his medication in half in one visit. And Sonia Sloan fought on behalf of her deceased husband, Brent, who took his life. And the family was awarded $7 million. Completely different situations. But I would imagine there's a loophole that that would allow to sue the DEA. But it costs so much money to sue the government. It does. I mean, certainly it does. And I actually have had an astounding number of people to reach out for me from various places and one of whom is a doctor who said basically that his practice and his life was ruined by the DEA and he's offered help and support and certainly we're going to consider and pursue frankly for the last six weeks I haven't really had a head to wrap around anything like that yeah you're not yeah I'm not I'm not there yet but um you're not but but I will be I can promise you I will be good. And we're here. We want to support you. And Thanks. we want we really want to get your story out to whoever will tell it. We've only had a few journalists come forward. Maya Solovitz has been one. Greg Gutfeld uh, has really been talking about this issue. And I'm going to 
put out uh, a few videos about your brother's story because we, we want to do whatever we can. We need national media folks. So if you have any connections with any of these NBC, CBS, ABC, you know, just journalists who just don't like to tell the story. And when they do, they always put their own twist on it. You know what I mean? The Kolodny twist. And we're just, we want to find balanced reporting where people can tell Danny's story. There was nothing wrong with Danny. Danny was dealt a bad deck of cards 31 years ago, and he suffered because of it. And that one doctor, that one doctor, I will tell you folks that Dr. Beckhoff's lawyer is filing a temporary restraining order against the DEA to allow Dr. Beckhoff to at least help wean the patient. So we're waiting patiently to hear about the results from that. And as soon as we get the results from the stay, we will share it with you. Tell me, Jim, Danny, like when you when you guys were growing up, what's a what's a, a fond memory you have of your uh, brother? So he's much more athletic than me, <laughs> much more fun loving than me. He was, I mean, he was his high school class president, and I mean, beloved by the people that he grew up with. And same thing in college, had a great experience with his fraternity and with intramural athletics and all those kind of things. Just was a very um, gregarious. The one thing that I took away from the last month or so is people talk about talked about his smile. Mm-hmm. How he could just light up a room, and you know, and and that certainly is my memory too. My wife and I've discussed this recently. It wasn't like his life changed drastically at that moment. I mean, because he survived for many, many years. Tell us about with, the accident because people don't people aren't familiar with his accident. What happened? Sure. So he had going to visit my parents for the weekend. They had a little bit of flooding in their basement due to a heavy rainstorm. And um, there was a pump that my dad had purchased because this had happened before. And I, they believe what happened was Danny reached across the pump and it arced. I'm not, I'm not an engineer. I can't explain exactly what happened. So it caused what, called, what was called a low voltage shock to him. A high voltage shock leaves the body, as I understand, and causes burns. A low voltage shock typically grounds in an organ and causes damage to that organ. And in Danny's case, it was his brain. So he pretty immediately was unable to work. He had, he had been working as a pharmaceutical rep. And I think I have found a letter in his records that within about six weeks, he had to go on some sort of disability because he was, again, having these headaches that were really triggered by light and sound. And, would you know, eventually Danny would be in a position where he would just kind of go into a dark room and stay there for three or four days and drink water. I mean, it was it, So anyway, over the years, he you know, was able to receive enough pain medication to, to lead a pretty normal life. I mean, we went to my, we went to ball games together and we had all that kind of thing. Uh, did he have children? Did they have children? They did not have children. Circumstances sort of dictated that they had, they decided not to have children because Gretchen became primarily the bread and the responsibility for a child would have fallen on Danny. And he just said he w- didn't feel like he could always be there for somebody because, because mm-hmm. of these headaches. And to know that Danny was suffering like that for 30 years and he was so blessed to have that angel, you, re- you know, you said Gretchen was an angel. Yes, he was yes. really blessed. And they left, they left the world together. Yeah. And that will actually, that gives me like some peace knowing that he had that love with him, but it doesn't give your mom any peace and it doesn't give you any peace. And this is why we have to get Danny's story out there. And I promise you, Jim, we will do it. And I think Bev has some follow-up questions for you, Bev. 
Yeah, I have a couple of questions. The first one is you said he he had his pain treated at some point after and had gone through periods where he didn't. What was he like when he had some level of pain treatment after his accident as opposed to when he didn't? What was the difference in Danny? Well, again, very, I mean, pretty normal. Again, he, he was, you know, he was an active participant in the lives of my two sons and to the masters a few, a few times, which is a great event for a guy. Go- he was a golfer. And so, I mean, I would say, you know, a pretty normal life. Now there would be periods when, Again, these headaches would sort of hit and he would have to kind of cancel out on plans. And, you know, we just accepted that as, you know, part of this, this as you say, this, this unfortunate hand he was, uh, hand of cards he was dealt in life. But for the most part, I mean, his, you know, his life was good. And again, the last several years just kind of cratered. I mean, he said to me, he said in one of the notes that he left to me that he said, my pain has been successfully managed, was successfully managed for 25 years um, because what my doctors believed I needed and the insurance company were able to help me have somewhat of a normal life. And beginning with the big opioid crisis in America, that's when everything kind of went, went down the hole for him. So I don't, I just don't want to say that I don't want to say his life was just completely normal before that, because I mean, there were, there were times he couldn't do things, but for the most part, I mean, he was a, he, he led us a fairly normal and happy life. Yeah. Because medication afforded him. Some that, sort of a some sort of quality in yes, his life, the medication right. and the CDC published those terrible, terrible guidelines. We know that the guidelines were always about opioid litigation. This was never about saving lives. This was always about vilifying the opioid and getting a $50 billion payout. Yes. Right. They had to make it sound like opioids don't work for pain. And I think one of the hardest parts for me, the stories have gotten more extreme and and people do reach out to us when they are at the end of their rope. And I do, Danny reached out to us. Um, it was before he lost this doc. And it's just, it's hard because these are patients. I say this to Claudia all the time. These are people, they don't have mental health struggles. These aren't people who are depressed. These aren't people who are suicidal. These aren't people who struggle with, with mental health. These are people who don't have any mental health issues who are planning their death because they can't take the physical pain. And I think that's the hardest part because, you know, you can give out the suicide hotline, you can tell them to call, but what is it going to do unless they can get the pain treated? And, you know, one of the things that Kaladni always talks about that he said in this article, again, is that it's not pain that that sends them to suicide. It is withdrawal, fear of withdrawal. But the studies don't show that. The studies show often they have they go periods of time without their pain treated and then withdrawal only takes a few days and it's like they've erased the fact that pain has any effect at all they just they, they erased it like it's yes. not- good point because i because again when when danny had to transition between doctors on, on a couple of occasions he went through withdrawal right and he went through just the terrible ordeal that but at the end of all that process he wasn't any better the pain was still there yeah pain so was still debilitating it's exactly right. That's what you just said. I would. So, okay. So I just want to ask you quickly about that. So he went through periods of time where he would go through withdrawal. He would talk to you about withdrawal, but so you say he wasn't better after that, right? No, he wasn't. No. I mean, the pain was still there. Again, he, that, that's the reason he took whatever he took was because of the pain. I mean, it wasn't again for any other um, reason. There was never any pleasure in any of the pain medications that he took. 
Yeah. It's just a, it's a, like the biggest con of the century. It is. Right. It's the, this is the biggest, this is, this is a Ponzi scam on so many different levels to insinuate that once you stop taking opioids, your pain will get better is just absolutely ridiculous. And when Kolodny says that people are killing themselves because of withdrawals, they're only doing it for withdrawals. It's another ridiculous statement because He's an idiot. That's why. And idiots make bad statements every day. And the fact that a a demonic journalist like McCreel would even give him the platform, and that's what needs to stop in this country. We've got to to end the misinformation campaign. We need stronger legislation about this. And and before we interviewed you, Jim, we had a nurse on, uh, and her 23-year-old patient took her life because the doctor discharged her because of you know, she was two minutes late. And I understand why doctors are, you know, they're leaving the profession because they can't, you can't practice medicine like this. You can't practice knowing that the DEA can barge your door down and hold a gun to your head at any minute. It's got to stop. And that's what's happening. Exactly. And and again, it's understandable that doctors are so hesitant to try to help people because I mean, they're, I mean, these people are putting their entire life's profession at risk by trying to help folks. I mean, that's, it's disgusting to me. Right. We have a long list of doctors who are incarcerated for treating pain. Bev, can I just say one thing, Jim, I'm not sure if you know this, but you got to use this as an opportunity. Bev has created a survey, a patient abandonment survey with another researcher. And folks, if you're listening to this and if you have been abandoned and you cannot find a doctor, please fill out this survey. This is for you. If you are being forced tapered down to a level so low, please fill out this survey. This survey is for you. You know, if you were on 200 morphine mil a day and now you're on 15 and you can't, you can't get out of bed, you can't do your laundry, you can't, you can't do anything, fill out this survey. These surveys are really important because nobody has ever measured patient outcome. And we hope that with the help of this survey, it will lead to a study that measures patient outcome. Uh, so the, these, when we put out these calls to action, really, really important uh, folks. Uh, Jim, can I ask you a question? Sure. You're, you know, we discussed how expensive it is to sue the government. And I, I don't know if you have a GoFundMe, but I don't promote GoFundMes, but I would happily promote one for <laughs> thank, you. Thank thank you. That's very nice of you to do. And I mean, that's again, uh, I look forward to our, our having an ongoing relationship yeah. and I will reach out to you, okay. you know, if and when those decisions are made. Um, you know, so you, you nice lady said that Danny had reached out to you earlier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Danny was a good writer. He was a good advocate. I've learned a lot, I guess, since his death about groups he was involved with and, you know, people that I think he helped at some point. I really appreciate this opportunity to tell his story. That's, you know, all I can do for my brother and sister-in-law at this point is, is, is tell their story. Right. And, and maybe have a scholarship one day, like the Danny and Gretchen Elliott scholarship. So well, my, my, my mother and I have talked about that. We're going to yeah. do something. That would be amazing. Like, you know, I, I don't want to say his death was hard for me. You're his brother. I just, but I just do have to say like this death was a hard one. We've had other ones pass away because I, I told Claudia, it's like he was done as far as this resolve. And I see it in other pain patients now because it's the same ones being abandoned again and again and again. Yes. I hear it in their voices where they're just like, 
even if I find another doctor, it's going to happen again. And that's what Danny basically what was saying for the most part, like, I, 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 I don't know if I can go through this again. I mean, he begged for help, like on Twitter, I'm sure you saw all of that. Uh, yes. Tweets, like, there's this program, opioid rapid response program that supposedly the CDC, the DEA, OIG of HHS, like, they have this amazing program that they've bragged about since 2018 or 19, where they say we never let a patient go abandoned. And they tweeted about it. Danny responded. He was like, no, that's, this is not true. You didn't help me. You never helped me in even one of the times, let alone all of them. Um, and we had people reach out to this program after Dr. Bokoff was was arrested and they the same they're like no we can't help you and you know they don't they don't they don't help anyone and this is the problem because you you never hear about these abandoned patients you never hear what happens to the patients every dollar that goes into these states and studies and research it's all about level of prescribing they never measure patient outcome which is deliberate at this point because they're so many like this and what's happening to them they want to make it sound like oh it's just because they were addicted and now they're just withdrawing and then they'll be fine if we just leave them alone but that's not the case like these people are in so much pain unrelenting pain every second of every day and they're given a life they're given i hear the same story over and over again i was bed bound my doctor believed me my pain was treated i was functional i was able to go back to school go back to work celebrate holidays with my family and now i lost my medicine and i don't want to go back to being bedbound and i i just can't express enough that these are people who aren't suicidal that are killing themselves like they th- i know that sounds crazy but they're not they don't have mental health issues it, it, they just they can't they can't stand the pain anymore and it's just it's it's heartbreaking and if we can't get our government to do something about it it's just going to keep increasing. And I'd like to make another point, too. I mean, with all the illegal fentanyl on the streets of our country these days, isn't that what they really ought to be focused on? I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, they but, can't take they, down the cartel, though. They because the, do, be the doctors, that's, that's an easy pick, you know? Okay. They can sit back and, oh, they send their office and review records, and they review pharmacy records, and they make this decision that this person is being abusive i mean get out yep. there and do your job yeah and they and they seize the doctor's assets so they get rich while yep. they're profiting yes. off yep. of yep. so the, and that's what people don't understand the government is getting rich yeah suicides like yep. danny's like gretchen's like the 23 year old with ellers danlos right there yep. and like andrew kaladi people are profiting off suicides because when people are like well, what does that mean and you have to really explain it but until this country, like I, I, I continue to say this, the Biden administration, the Trump administration, they have divorced themselves from reality. But just wait your turn, folks, because it's only a matter of time before it's you, because I've advocated for retired DEA agents. I've advocated for yeah. judges who say, you know what? I was always against opiates until I needed them. And now I can't get them because this, yeah. this is prohibition. Yeah, this it- is. And this and is prohibition. Prohibition has never worked. I mean, for when we first started this in 2017, Claudia and I were like, well, what's their end game? Why? Why are they doing this? Until we learned about the multi-district litigation. So they th- this 50 billion, they estimate this country will get, and you're seeing it going into states now. And in order for that to, to, to have taken place the way it did, 
they had to make it sound like opioids just don't work for pain and that it's as easy to get as candy. And that's why they, they've had this propaganda repeated over and over and over again. And that's, that's what they've done. And, and people like Kalodny, who, who accuse others of being industry funded, he accuses advocates of taking money from pharmaceutical companies, which we don't, while he made $500,000 just to testify as an expert witness in Oklahoma. He's a, re a serial expert witness making millions of dollars, but nobody seems to care about that because it's all about pharmaceutical companies and Purdue. And to your point, Jim, not only are they not going after what they should be, they're actually creating more demand for, yeah. for, for fentanyl because what happens is people, people are desperate, not from withdrawal because the studies are showing it's up to two years after they're cut off their medication. So withdrawals are long gone, but it's because of the pain and they go to the street and they try to get what looks like is pills because they think they're buying oxycodone and it's illicit fentanyl and they die. And I just, yeah. they're going after Adderall now they're going after benzos now. So all like, it makes you, it does make you wonder why, why do they want to send everyone to the street? What just surviving is what I would say. My wife said mom was concerned about some Christmas gifts and stuff. And I was kind of making light of that. And my wife said last night, look, the fact that she can get out of bed every day says she's a strong lady. So let her just handle things the way she has to. And I mean, well, you, we are, you're in my thoughts this holiday season. I mean, I just, my heart breaks for you. My heart breaks for your mom. My heart breaks for the 10 million people who are uh, being punished for an epidemic they did not create. So thank you. Thank you, Jim, for taking time out of your day for being with us. And, you know, like I said, if you, if there one day, if there is a GoFundMe or, you know, a Danny and Gretchen Elliott scholarship, you let me know, I will use my following to bring awareness. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me tragic. be a part of telling their story, because again, that's all I can do for them now. But I'm determined to tell it as much as I can and, and, and to advocate on behalf of people like them the rest of my life. Is there anything we didn't ask you about Danny or Gretchen that you would want to share with us? I think at, the, at their funeral, someone said just the way it ended is not does not tell their whole life story. They were fun, um, entertaining, interesting, and you know again that how their life ended is was was not exactly everything they were the whole time. Um, right, it doesn't dictate their life how they right. ended. Yeah, and an and incredible amount of dedication to one another. Um, I think Danny actually said that he didn't want Gretchen. He in one of his notes, I didn't want Gretchen to do this, but she's as tired as I am, and. People need to understand that these poor people, I mean, when a door gets shut in their face, I mean, they're desperate. I mean, and, and you're right. I read some of the tweets Danny made mm -hmm. between the time of Dr. Bokoff's suspension and, and his death. And it was, you know, there was just a, a, a great desperation there. And I wish I'd known more about it. I didn't fully appreciate it, I guess. I don't know. I don't. That's common, though, Jim. So, yeah. so many people, you know, family members. You know, they have a, a sense of what their their sibling is going through, but they never know until, you know, it's too late. Yeah. And I just, you know, we're sick. Bev and I, we've been sick since we were kids. So we're, you know, we're used to a sick person's life. But, you know, healthy people, you know, it's a privilege to be healthy. And it is. I just want to thank you so much for talking to us. Um, just know... 
you have this community behind you. If there's anything we could do for you, if you ever want to reach out, if there's anything you want to tell us about Danny that you want us to share, just let me know. Just please let me know if there's anything we can do for you. Well, thank you very, thank you very much. And again, including me in this opportunity is greatly appreciated more okay. than I can we'll express. We'll do it again. So. We'll do anytime, Jim. Okay. You're welcome. Okay. You've got, you've got a family here. Okay. Thank All you right. so much. Thank you once again for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, please follow us on Spotify, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and share with anyone that you think might benefit from this information. Just a quick disclaimer that what you hear in our podcast is not to be considered medical or legal advice. We will always provide links in the show notes to give evidence for what we are saying.